Blog Talk Radio.
<clears throat> work out a, uh, a time that will be best for both of us, because I'd like to do the show live so that you guys can call in and ask questions. But uh, if not, it'll just be uh, you know, a regular archivable show. And then uh, we have several other folks. I'm trying to get uh, Mr. S- uh, Tom Stalk uh, up. The uh, the fellow who worked on the documentary uh, TWA Flight 800. This is a story surrounding the events of TWA, TWA Flight 800 that crashed off the coasts of uh, of uh, Long Island and uh, and under mysterious circumstances. And uh, he just uh, he finished uh, this last year with uh, filming a documentary about it, and it's a very interesting documentary. And uh, I'd like to have him come on the show and and talk to you guys about the documentary. Between now and then, uh, you can look it up. You can you can watch the show pretty easily on things like Netflix. TWA Flight 800. TWA Flight 800. A flight from uh, uh, New York to Paris. That uh, that crashed uh, mysteriously. Although some of the mystery seems to be not so mysterious, because close to 700 uh, or more witnesses say they saw an object uh, streak from the ground up to the aircraft and strike the aircraft, and then there was an explosion. So. It doesn't seem that mysterious. Uh, it seems like something happened. Now, why uh, or how or what still remains a mystery. And uh, one of the focuses of uh, TWA Flight 800 is to is to try and force our government to reopen an investigation into uh, into the surrounding into the event into this the uh, uh, into the the crash of the of uh, TWA Flight 800, uh, and then uh, a lot more guests coming up after that. Now tonight we're uh, we're talking about several several different subjects, uh, but first I want to tell folks uh, you're welcome to call in at three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. In order to thank your local crews for the job that they're doing at Appleseed, and uh, let them know that that you know that they are devoting uh, uh, volunteer time uh, to helping push the Appleseed program uh, mission ahead, helping to teach their fellow Americans uh, rifle marksmanship and the history of this nation. The the obligation, the responsibility of safeguarding the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation falls squarely on the heads and shoulders of every single person in this country. And uh, this obligation is a non-delegatable, uh, open-ended, non-ending responsibility. And I'm not telling you that you have to uh, that you have to become an Appleseed Project member, attend an Appleseed, be an instructor, or or, or or care one whit about what Appleseed does. 
in order to push the mission of safeguarding the freedoms and liberties of America forward. But you have to do something. You have to do something. Because without your efforts, without the efforts of the real and true government of this nation, which is we the people of these United States, the the current government uh, let me see how they're put to put this best because I'm not anti-government as far as I believe that there are, our government is we the people that's what it's supposed to be we elect people uh, to perform their duties in the government as representatives of us they're not there to do their wishes or to do their will ours however it seems uh, off and on throughout history it's always been the same but certainly, in the last 40 or 50 years, it has grown uh, worse and worse as far as the folks that were elected either not doing their jobs because of ignorance or willfully not doing the job because either they think that they know better than what the will of the people is or they're being co-opted either by their party or by outside interests, lobbyists, uh, money, uh, power, things like that. We have to make sure that our representatives are doing the job that we ask them to do. That means we got to do a couple of things. We've got to pay attention to what they're doing and watch what they're doing, read how they vote. Because just, uh, okay, good boy, good boy. I'm glad you brought me that stick. <clears throat> the dog just, he, he wants to please me. He wants to... He was, huh, now he's pouting. He wants to please me by bringing me something to show how valuable he is. Now he's just laying in the middle of the floor with one hand over his head and the stick still in his mouth, like like I denied his stick. We have to make sure that they're doing what they say that they're going to do. That means you have to read their records because sometimes on just on publicity uh, or uh, information blasts coming out of their office and stuff, they can make it very easily sound like they're doing exactly what you want. You, but you'll have to look at their voting records to see if they really are. Okay, so that's one thing that you'll have to do. Uh, the most important thing, however, is contacting your representatives to let them know what your needs are and what your desires are, the things that you would like them to do, what you believe that, uh, how you believe they should be fulfilling their responsibility to, rep- to represent you. Uh, we start off with that as a baseline, saying that, well, perhaps they don't know. Maybe that's why they're doing such a horrible job, because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Let me call them and tell them. Once that's done, then they'll either listen to you or they won't. They'll either try and do what you what you feel is the reason that you voted for them, which is they'll have a platform usually and say, I'm going to write. If you elect me, I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. And if they don't do those things, then you'll have to remind them. And if worse comes to worse, if they're not going to do the things that they said they were going to do, if they're not going to listen to you, then you have to get rid of them. And you know what? Sometimes that means uh, voting for the other guy. But the way I look at it is like this. If I I don't vote by... uh, by initials in front of folks' names. The RD means no difference to me. Uh, I think they're both equally criminal. 
I try to vote for the one that's going to do either the least damage or the best job. And uh, and if it's uh, if it's a D guy, great. If it's an R guy, fine. Uh, and you'll have to vote them out. You can't just threaten to do it. And then uh, when it comes to voting time, and they say, well, I know I didn't do the things you asked me to do, and I know that, uh, like, I broke a lot of laws and stuff like that. And really, I probably should be going to prison, but I'm not because I'm a, I'm a representative and I've gotten out of it somehow. But you still have to vote for me because I'm the, I'm the RRD guy. And if you don't vote for me, you'll have to vote for the other guy who's an RRD guy. If they haven't served you, vote them out. Because how in the world can somebody else be worse than the guy you just voted out? Best bet yet, start now. Start planning now. Start feeding good people into the system. Because I look at the the political system to be almost like the elementary track in a dog. Right? You feed a bunch of stuff into it in the front, and then... You spin them around, you lift up the tail, and out pops a politician. What kind of politician you get, what kind of steaming hot pile of politician you get, is going to be dependent on what you fed the dog. We can get good people in if we feed them in and help push them along from the very beginning. And that's the only way that we're going to fix this is by by feeding feeding the, the correct stuff to the dog. Uh, sometimes this might mean that you have to put your name in the hat. You might have to become uh, the, a candidate. If nobody else is going to do the job and there's a job that needs to be done, you might have to do it. So be it. Uh, do your best. This is what we have to do in order for us to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation. You can pick any way that you want. But a lot of folks have picked Appleseed. And and it's not uh it's not a half bad pick. Uh the folks in Appleseed are devoting uh usually about uh, one weekend a month, to instructing or hosting uh, events, two-day rifle marksmanship events, where they teach folks the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. Now, when I say fundamentals, I'm not talking about the basics. I'm not talking about a baby course. I'm talking about the fundamentals, the the skills and techniques you'll need to shoot, no matter where you your shooting path is taking you. Whether you're going to shoot tin cans or you're going to shoot for the Olympics, you have to have the fundamentals. And that's what Appleseed is. Appleseed isn't a baby course or a basics course. It's a very fast-paced, uh, rock-solid fundamentals course with an attached, uh, very thorough rifle safety program attached to it. During the rifle marksmanship rifle safety, you're going to get American history, and heritage. Bone in, right on the top, like icing on the cake. And uh, and this is a way 
that we can help our nation. There are a lot of folks that there it's it's not that they are woefully not trying to safeguard the freedoms and liberties. They just didn't know they were supposed to be doing so in the first place. When they come to an apple seed, a lot of times that's where they first hear about it. That's where they first find out about it. They're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know. I, I, nobody told me this. I didn't know I was supposed to be taking an active role in this. I thought that that's what we elected folks to do. And it's not that they are wrong. It's just that I think they put too much faith in the people that we should have faith in. They put too much faith in them, the fact that they're going to do their job. Instead, each and every one of us have to be vigilant. And when the folks come to the apple seeds and we we explain to them what's going on in the nation and how they can help, then a lot of people flick their switches on. A lot of people do. I cannot tell you how many people I've seen it happen to. Now, some of them go on to do great things. Uh, others work for a little while and burn out. Uh, others burn out on the drive home. They get home and they're like, well, what was I supposed to do? I don't, I don't remember. It was something about uh, safe and liberties or something. I don't know. Anyway, give me the remote and a beer. And click, click, and there's NASCAR. And, okay, guys, I'm not putting down NASCAR. I'm like a good, uh, loud car race myself. But NASCAR is going to fix the country, all right? You understanding that you have a responsibility to safeguard the freedom and liberties, that's going to fix the country. And that's what folks are going to hear at Appleseed. So that's my spiel. Everybody has a duty to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy. It doesn't have to be Appleseed. You don't have to do Appleseed to do that, to do something. You've got to do something. And if you want to do apple seed, we will gladly welcome you in. That's what the topic of the show tonight is, and that is adding new recruits to the instructor cadre at, at apple seeds. <clears throat> There's a lot of different missions that we, uh, as individual volunteers, that we that we have to do. A lot of chores we have to do uh, in apple seed. We we have to be constantly promoting the program and looking for new locations and uh, trying to get folks to attend. At the same time, we have to be maintaining our own skill sets, uh, learning additional uh, continuing education type things so that we can teach better. We can learn to teach while continuing to maintain our own shooting skills. We have to learn more about the history so that we become more fluent in history speak and then we can explain it better. We can answer people's questions. We can we can tell a much more vivid uh, story. And uh, on top of that, you have what I consider to be like the most important job uh, that you'll have as a, an Appleseed Project member, and that is recruiting others into the program. I don't mean just to attend events. Yes, we do need that. We need people attending events. But more than that, we've got to have new people added to the rank of instructors because folks can, uh, being a volunteer is a hard job. You don't get paid for it. And uh, here at Appleseed, we're, we're like the, the masters 
of not thanking people for anything. We were like, we, we perfected it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can tell you that if you become an Appleseed member, uh, it's more likely that you'll be uh, denigrated and uh, lashed about the head and shoulders uh, for not doing enough, right? That is the bane of being a volunteer. Even the even the volunteers with the bottomless pits of uh, the ability to give and donate and stuff, eventually they will wear out. And we have to be feeding new folks into the machine uh, at every single opportunity. Uh, somebody may give uh, one or two weekends a month uh, for five, six, seven, eight years. And and then and then they can't anymore, or their health gets bad, or they just uh, they just get uh, lashed about in the head, their shoulders out of the program, uh, or they become uh, frustrated with some of the silliness that goes on in the program. A lot of the silliness that goes on in the program, uh, you know, that's that's normal. I don't think you're going to find a program anywhere on the face of the earth that doesn't have uh, some silliness or that's not going to get some at some point. We're no different than any of the rest of those uh, organizations. Uh, we, Anytime you get uh, thousands of people together, you're going to get some silliness. And uh, some folks have the ability to put up with it, and other folks don't. So <clears throat> we have to be constantly looking for good quality folks that we can add to the instructors because the continue to expand is limited only by the number of instructors that we can field. Uh, if we're going to say that we're going to have uh, uh, 100 simultaneous uh, apple seed shoots on the same day uh, this year, and we're going to have 150 next year, that means that we're going to have to add uh, another uh, two to 300 instructors. So we have to be constantly adding instructors so that we can expand, so that we can, we can add new locations. Every time you make it easier for an attendee to get to an event, that means you raise the probability that they will attend the event. If somebody has to drive uh, 120 miles to get to an event, uh, a lot of people are going to do it. But more people are not going to do it. If they've got to drive 120 miles, that's just, it's going to be too much. It's gonna, that's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Uh, you have to keep getting new locations, more locations. That helps out everybody. That helps the instructor cadre because when you get a new location, typically you get somebody from that area to run it. That means that, that person doesn't have to go out of town and get a hotel and they can sleep in their own bed that night. That does two things. One, it's, it's good for them. It's good for them to be home at night with their families, sleep in their own bed. Two, it means that Apathy doesn't have to pay out the expenses for a hotel because Paying uh, 150 uh, bucks uh, a night for 
900 instructors across the nation. Uh, you can do the math. It gets expensive. It gets very expensive. So if we can continue to add new locations and add those lo locations, the new locations, add them closer to centers of population than uh, and to the the instructor's own home base, then we've done uh, several things. One, we've made it easier for the folks in the populated area to attend the event because now uh, they don't have whatever type of roadblock it is, mental, whatever. I don't care what it is. I don't care. I, I just know that there is one. If you have to drive, if folks have to drive, and there's a, uh, I've seen several formulas for this, for the, uh, that show that, uh, that people, X number of people will drive 20 miles, X number of people will drive 30, X number of people will drive 40, and on and on, in order to attend some type of event. And of course, it's only, uh, it's only obvious that as you add distance, the number of folks willing to go drop down. So the closer you are to somewhere, the more likely someone is willing to attend it. <clears throat> That means you have more people attending events, and you have less cost to the organization putting the events on. But in order to do this, then we've got to add new instructors. Now, how are we going to do this? I, I've given you plenty of reasons of why we should, right? So now let's talk about how we can do it, because... Uh, it's not as simple as you think. When I started at Appleseed eight years ago, I I was very naive. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm naive to this day because I'm, I am still, even though I'm not surprised, I'm still surprised. Uh, every time, end of an event, and uh, and I ask folks to step forward, if they would like to uh, become, uh, if they would like to talk to us about becoming instructors. And eight years ago, I thought it was almost like I said, uh, okay, everybody get ready, because whenever I ask for instructors, we're going to have to make sure that we've got a good solid stance and we're ready to, like, catch them as they come flying into our ranks. And, uh, and we're going to get flooded by them. It's going to be like a football game, right? We're going to have to we're going to have to put up blockers to block them, and it wasn't. And certainly, there were some people that stepped forward, but I kept I, I, I was just shocked. I thought, where are they? Where are they? Where are the other people like me? There's got to be more people like me that are out there that that see that there's a problem. And want to come do something, they want to fix it somehow. And those folks are out there. They are out there. Yes, they're out there. There's just not as many as, as I thought there were. Even still today, eight years later, when I give my broken speech at the end of an event, I'm still. Part of my mind is still saying, today's the day. Today's the day they're going to, I'm going to get 
50% of his line is going to step forward. And they don't. And I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that all Americans are bad. I'm just saying that, that for whatever reason, uh, you know, people have, they have their own lives to live. They have their, their own reasons for not stepping forward. And yet we still do. We, we will still get, uh, we'll still get folks that will step forward. Not as many as I like and not certainly nowhere near as many as we need. So how can we raise the chances that somebody will, will step forward at the end of the program, at the end of the, the weekend and sign up? There's a few things you can do. Number one, don't treat the people like idiots. That's gonna that's the a very obvious thing, right? In any type of instructional situation, you never treat your students as idiots. You always treat them with respect. You listen to their questions with respect. You answer them the best you can. You're polite, you're courteous, and uh, and you're always showing respect. That's that, that's a given. But 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 I'm still surprised when fairly often that I see that that's not the case. I see uh, instructors and folks treat people like idiots. And I'm telling you, even if they are idiots, they're going to see that you're treating them like they are going to get angry and they're going to they're going to disassociate from you. Right? So number one, don't treat the folks like idiots. Treat them with respect. <clears throat> Uh, the next thing is, and I think this is the most important thing, is to be inclusive. That means that when you, anytime and every time you can, try and include the folks from uh, who are attending and either in decisions that you're making, including them in things like uh, uh, clearing the line uh, and giving instruction and aiding in instruction and stuff like that, include them in it. Make, it, make, it, make them inclusive. In order for you to teach uh, a position, it doesn't have to be an Appleseed instructor. Now, that's normally what we usually do. We usually use Appleseed instructors because it goes a lot quicker because the Appleseed instructor has been a, a position model uh, over and over, so they know how to model a position correctly. You don't need for it to be an Appleseed instructor. It can be anybody. It can be your model. You can get them to model the positions for you or model the sling for you. The more inclusive that you are, the more, the more that you make them feel like they are a part of the group that you are uh, that you are a part of, the more they want, they're going to want to become more part of the group. When uh, when folks come to Appleseed, then a lot of folks are there early and stuff. I'll usually I'll try and make the rounds of talking to them and uh, seeing what they, you know, who they are, why they came, stuff like that. <clears throat> and then, if you can, uh, in certain things. Like maybe uh, uh, if you're getting ready to give a standard morning briefing, I'm not talking if you've got to give some specialized instruction or you've got to give somebody another instructor critique or something like that. 
then no, you don't involve attendees uh, in on that. If you're giving a standard uh, instructor briefing in the morning, think about including one of these guys in it. If you talk to them and they seem like they're square away folks and they've shown some interest in it, you might want to grab them and say, look, hey, I'm getting ready to give the instructor briefing. You want to come along and see what it's, what it's all about? And if they say yes, take them on over. At the uh, instructor briefing there at 7:30, talk to the instructor, the other instructors. Let them know how the day is going to go, uh, what you're expecting of them, everything like that. And, and then when you get through with that, just uh, you know, ask them what they thought. What do you think about that? What do you think about the instructor briefing? Uh, and then continue to include them during the day as things go along and different things. Uh, there's ways to do it. You can have uh, you can have one of the guys uh, help clear the lines. You know, pick, pick somebody who's sharp, teach them how to do it. Now, they can't, I mean, well, let me explain this a little bit better. The uh, I've certainly done events where uh, either I was the only instructor for uh, 25 or 30 people, or maybe there's only one other or something like that, and I couldn't help it. I needed somebody uh, to help. So I grabbed a couple of the sharpest guys. I put them, uh, their shooting positions, one on each end of the line. And then when they got through shooting, they stood up there at their mat, and they cleared from, uh, uh, the, or they would come, uh, they would come in once once the line was uh, was called, and the people backed off. They would come in and clear in the normal fashion. I would give them, you know, the briefing on how to clear the line, and then I would walk with one of them, checking their clearance of the line, making corrections if need be, and then on the next one I would walk with the other one checking their clearance, make sure that they're doing it correctly, all right, teaching them to clear the line. Now, they've, in effect, become, and not instructors, all right, because there's a difference, and you'll know this if you're an instructor. You know there's a difference between being an instructor and being an RSO. You're not, you're never both at the same time. So that is one way, and that's when you're you're forced to do it. Now, if you have plenty of instructors, you can still do it. The only the, the only difference is is you don't if you have plenty of instructors and you pick somebody to clear the line they don't clear it by themselves okay you'll have whatever instructor that is there with you will be shadowing them ensuring that they are clearing the line properly and uh, you know it doesn't have to be a uh, uh, an obvious I'm watching you, but you don't know what you're doing, and I do because I'm the instructor. It doesn't have to be that way. You're just you're just walking with them, and uh, you know, and checking to make sure they're doing the right job. They get to the end of the line, they turn around and give the signal. They give the signal. You pat on the back, say good job. That was a good job, and uh, and include them in the process of uh, of helping to RSO the shoot during the day and instructing the shoot during the day. You can uh, you can give the the class on slings 
uh, in the morning at the regular time that you get it. And then an hour later, don't wait too long because you're not trying to put the person on the spot. You want them to still be pretty fresh with the instruction fresh in their mind and then how to do it. Say an hour later or something, say, hey, uh, Mr. Smith, can you can you give the folks a real quick uh, refresher on the slings, on the proper sling loose real quick? And I'll be right there with you. I mean, I'll, I'll guide you with it. But can you give them the, the refresher real quick? And normally they'll say, yeah, yeah, sure. And they do it, and you're right there with them. If they get something wrong, you don't say, that's wrong, you're stupid. You help them to give the instruction correctly, just like you would an orange hat. If you've got an orange hat or somebody up there giving the instruction, you don't you never try to belittle one of your instructors. Never try to correct them publicly to make them to make them look bad. You're always trying to uplift them and uh and you'll do the same thing with these guys, these volunteers, including them in the uh program through the course of the day. That's the inclusion, trying to make them feel included in it. Now, uh, the at the end of the day, you know, you'll have to be careful about this because if you've included them in during the day, then you need to include them in through the whole thing. But don't include them in any in internal type things or notations, okay? You understand what I'm saying? If you have to, if you're giving, uh, if you're giving notes and it's a regular note, everything went good, uh, they include them in it. If there are things that you're going to have to, to talk to somebody about, a mistake being made, a safety violation, something, anything like that, go ahead and go through the whole briefing that you're going to give and, uh, and then politely say, look, I've got to say a few things to them in private. So if you don't mind, then I'll catch back up with you in just a second. If you don't mind, let me say a few things, and then I'll come grab you. And they'll be they'll be fine with that because, man, you've given them probably more than they whatever they expected. Then then you can close ranks with your with the instructor and say, okay, look, everything went pretty good, but uh, uh, you know, down the down the right end of the line earlier today, we had somebody who uh, uh, who reached out to pick up their rifle. Uh, while everybody's going down range, you know, and so we got to be more careful. We got to make sure that we that the person who's detailed to watch the line that they're watching it like a hawk, as the people are moving back across the line to go down range. So there's somebody reach out to reach down to pick up their rifle because they're not doing it to kill somebody. They're doing it because they they in their mind they think they can pick up the rifle to make side adjustments or to make a swing adjustment or something. And uh, and we need to make sure that. Uh, or watching that closely, you know, whatever, something like that. You do that after you have excused the guests. We don't do any kind of internal discussion in front of attendees, and uh, that that includes everything. Nothing, no safety, no talk about so and so who said uh, who got the uh, uh, the six steps uh, out of line or got it in the wrong way. None of this stuff is ever done in front of attendees, right? That's just that's common, uh, basic instructor knowledge, right? You don't correct other instructors in front of the attendees and stuff on the line, and you don't let anybody else hear you doing it 
on the briefings before or after the event. Uh, I try my best not ever to correct an instructor for any reason unless it's a safety violation. Unless it's a safety violation that they're saying something, they're telling me that something that is a safety violation, then I'll just very gently remind them, I'll say, yeah, you mean, you meant that such and such was so was so-and-so, right? You meant that they can't touch the rifle with so-and-so. That's what you meant, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, okay. I, I knew that's what you meant. You just, it just came out wrong or whatever. All right, you know, go on. You're doing a great job. Uh, if it's something like history, because I've seen, I've seen instructors do this. Somebody will get something in history wrong, and the other instructors will jump in and say, oh, no, that's not right. That so-and-so happened at, at you know, on the, uh, in the first stages in the morning of the battle or whatever. Never do that. Never, never, never correct somebody in front of the audience for anything like that. The only thing you really make a correction for in front of the audience would be if they were saying something that was a, a safety violation. Everything else, it doesn't matter. I don't care if the if the person telling the story <clears throat> tells him that uh, General Gage got on his horse to warn the colonists. Uh, about the approaching British regulars. Uh, well, okay, I may say something about that. My point is, it does that doesn't matter. None of that matters, okay? Uh, the only thing that you should be correcting folks uh, on the spot for is safety violations. Uh, you can... You can issue reminders, or you can, if somebody says something the wrong way about a position or something, and you just do a, a very nice, a very, uh, you know, a very, very nice general reminder uh, to the instructor that, uh, uh, yeah, what you meant to say was, you meant to say that they need to pull their strong, their trigger knee up, right? That's what you, you meant to say, pull the trigger knee up. Uh, if they say to pull the other one up, then that's how you do that. You, you never, you you certainly uh, never make any type of corrections that would cause embarrassment or, more importantly, to make an instructor look like they don't know what they're talking about. Because whenever you damage any instructor's credibility on the line, you damage your own credibility. When you damage the credibility of any of the instructors on the line, you damage the credibility of Appleseed as a whole, as an organization. And once again, I'm not saying that you let safety violations go. You don't. You correct them in a polite, professional fashion. Everything else is either a general reminder or gentle reminder, or it's just completely left alone, all right? It's left alone, and it's fixed either in a refresher uh, or afterwards it's fixed. I'm telling you nothing that you tell the attendees about history is going to... It's going to be perfect, and nothing needs to be corrected during somebody's talk. All right? So, but including them, including the folks that you've asked to help you bring them into the, the operations of the instructor group is really is paramount to making them feel like they're part of the instructor group. Once you make them feel like they're part of the instructor group, half your work of recruiting them is done. So, Try and use inclusion. Uh, then usually uh, you'll have usually four opportunities. 
to work on their uh, to work on their their feelings of responsibility. That's going to be uh, on Saturday morning, Saturday at the end of the show, Sunday morning, and during the uh, uh, during the discussion at the end of the day on Sunday. You have those four opportunities uh, to to discuss with folks that they have a duty to to fulfilling their responsibility to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that we have by virtue of living in this nation. Now, on both of the the Saturday and Sunday mornings. There's no need, especially on Saturday morning when you initially talk to them, there's no need to beat it into the ground because that's like trying to tell somebody they need to be part of an organization without them having any idea what the organization does. Nobody's going to, they're not going to, it's not going to sink into their heads. It's not going to get into the little tiny doors it needs to get into because it doesn't have a proper introduction yet, right? But what you can do is just set the is set the, your your plans in motion by giving them uh, whenever you're doing the uh, the morning uh, meet and greet and the morning briefing is giving them the introduction to how it works to how you became the rest of the instructors became instructors in the first place. Usually, what I do is I'll tell them I'll look look around and you'll see the different instructors that I've introduced to you this morning, and you may notice that some of them have different colored hats on. This is uh, this isn't a rank or anything. I said, but it is kind of a guideline uh, that is showing uh, their current uh, position, their current level of and position in the organization as far as their instructor level. I said, but each and every one of them came into the program the same way that you did. They came to an event like we're going to have today. They went through the event not knowing what they're going to get before they got here. They went through the event. They saw that this is a viable program. It's very worthwhile. And at some point during the weekend or a week later or a month later or a year later, they decided that it was important enough to them that they contacted us or they stepped forward and they asked to become an instructor. And whenever you're talking about this, you should be talking about when you say they asked to become an instructor, the same way you would say uh, they asked to become the President of the United States of America. Right? Because it needs to mean something to them. It needs to mean something to them because it should mean something to you. Right? If you are an instructor and you care about what you're doing, then it means something to you. And whenever you talk about somebody becoming an instructor, you should talk about it as a very serious, respected position requiring dedication and commitment. And and that's how it should be introduced and discussed. Don't hammer it in. Don't try and do your big sales pitch on Saturday morning or even Sunday morning. Neither one of those is going to work, all right? Your best chance is going to be uh, introducing it Saturday morning, uh, giving them a, 
you know, a like a 50% volume uh, recruitment speech on Saturday evening when they go, uh, refreshing them again with the concept that uh, that we're going to be looking for instructors on Sunday morning, and then save your your big pitch for Sunday evening for a couple of reasons. Uh, you're probably going to end up losing some fun on Saturday, all right? And that's fine. And uh, and for whatever reason, some folks were going to they couldn't make it or whatever. It doesn't matter. You're, you will you will have talked to them on Saturday evening. The folks you're really looking for are normally the ones that are going to be there at the end of the day on Sunday. These are the folks that have stayed through the whole program. They've gone through everything. They've stayed there. They've toughed it out. Uh, they went through two days of uh, 110, 115-degree weather. They shot to rifle and standards, and they're still standing there at the end of the day on Sunday. That's the ones you want. That's when you're going to make your pitch is right then. Now, how you do it, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You you decide what you think is the best way to do it. If somebody if somebody does it or if somebody if, if, if somebody needs some help with it, I'll be more than glad to talk to, to anybody about it. I gave my email out a little bit earlier. R W V A Romeo Whiskey Victor Alpha Range Scout R A N G E S C O U T at Gmail dot com. That's Romeo Whiskey Victor Alpha R W V A Range Scout all one word lowercase at gmail.com. To me, you know, I'll be glad to to contact you further, and I'll t- I'll tell you how I do it. Uh, and you may not want to listen to my way because apparently, uh, my way does not bring in as many instructors as as I would like. Yeah, we get instructors, just not as many as I would like. But uh, I'll be glad to talk to you about it, how I do it, what I say. But I'm telling you right now, the best thing to do is give your introduction. Don't try and hammer it into them on Saturday morning. Give them a, uh, you know, like a 50% volume on Saturday evening. Reintroduce the concept to them on Sunday morning. And then give your uh, your best shot on Sunday during the benediction. All right? And I save it for the last thing. Because I don't want it to be the last thing that they that they get in their ears before they leave. Is if they did a great job. America needs them. Appleseed needs them. If you think this might be feasible, then come and talk to me. And and that's where I like to leave the end of the the benediction because I, that's like the last thing I want people to hear is that if you want to be part of the program, if you want to be part of the Appleseed program, then come and talk to me at the end of this and then end it. And now I'm, I just asked them. I'm standing there ready to talk to them. And and that's going to be your best bet. All right, that's how I do it. You, your mileage may differ. You may have something different. And by all means, guys, if you if if you have a way that's working and you're adding a great number of uh, instructors to the program on a regular basis, please, please use the email that I gave you to contact me and tell me what you're doing so I can do it. So I can share it with the rest of uh, Appleseed, right? Because knowledge is no good to you unless it escapes the uh, boundaries of your skull, right? 
you may know how to uh, to create the next perpetual motion uh, energy machine, but unless that unless that knowledge escapes your head, then it's worthless. <clears throat> so make sure that if you have a uh, uh, a great way to give your pitch, that you let me know so I can share it. All right, uh, and if you do. We'll share it right now. Uh, you can call us at 347-308-790. Uh, it seems like we've got somebody online right now that wants to share some knowledge with us. Mr. Clean from Oregon, welcome to the show. Uh, correction, that's Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Okay, this is, Mr. Clean uh, this is Mr. From, Clean. Okay, I have Oregon sitting here on my on my uh, That was board. mistaken. But you're from... Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Idaho. All right. Well, yes. welcome to the show, Mr. Clean. How are things well, going in Coeur d'Alene? Well, uh, doing good. We're uh, coming out of our cold winter, and uh, uh, we're, we're already gear, gearing up for a, a big apple seeding season. Is uh, Are you guys, uh, is everybody lined up and ready to start planting the potatoes? Uh <laughs> Well, most of the potato uh, growing is more on the southern end of the uh, state, but uh, yeah, we we got to start things. Uh, we got to start things in the garden uh, indoors at this point. Right. Uh, did you have something specific that you called in for? Because if not, I'm just going to start asking questions. Yes. Well, um, what I, it's a great topic. Uh, obviously, there's a great need for uh, uh, bringing new instructors in. Um, just to, to give our experience uh, in our area, we had a fantastic instructor corps, and uh, through no lack of dedication on the part of any of them, uh, you know, some of them, uh, you know, had to um, had to go uh, move away. Uh, we saw some of the uh, some younger instructors. Well, they went on and got married, and you know, another went to college. There was um, you know people kind of moving on, and they're still um, they're not as active in Appleseed in the sense uh, that, that that's this time uh, because of those circumstances. But there's definitely a need to bring new people to replace them and also to expand, not only just to replace people, but to expand uh, the, the reach that, that, that we can be reaching new people in new locations. And then it's not, uh, it doesn't become a big burden on the handful of instructors that we do have. Are you there? We as instructors, we need to remember that we are uh, leading by our example. Uh, just from our experience, we can see that people generally have very positive apple seed uh, experiences when they come. Uh, what they've learned from us, they appreciate you know, by and large, and uh, they are going to be looking up to us as instructors who handed on this knowledge and uh, uh, expertise to them. So we need to lead by example, and if we want others to uh, look up to us and perhaps follow in our footsteps, we are, we're going to need to uh, step up our game and be very professional on the line and um, uh, just do be the best instructors we can, and uh, to lead by example.
Mr. Clean? Yes? Scott got cut off. Uh, you just keep going, okay? We'll get him back on the air here in a minute. He got cut off, but we want to hear oh. what you got to say, so you just press on with it, okay? All right. I'll see what I can do. Okay. I'll stay on the line here with you. Well, the uh, I was talking about the, uh, the need for uh, attracting uh, new instructors, uh, not only for uh, replacing uh, – Instructors that, through no fault of their own, or through uh, not from a lack of dedication, but just through circumstances that they have to uh, uh, let up on uh, their apple feeding, uh, we need to replace them. But also to to attract new people to reach other new people. Uh, this is oh. just th think of the networking possibilities. That, that word of mouth uh, advertising is is always the best. Every, every apple feeder that comes uh, on the line, they're going to go home and, and talk to uh, tell people about what they did that weekend. And if uh, we really impress true. them, if that we really impress true. some of these people, then uh, then perhaps they'll join us and they would they'll uh, we could use the examples of the history that we just taught them at an apple feed, and uh, we could uh, impress upon them. Uh, the, you know, following the footsteps of our forefathers, the uh, the need for you know saving the country. Um, you know, I give the historical example. You know, at the time in 1775, um, the colonists. We just throw that term around. It was the the colonists versus the uh, the British, but really they were all uh, one country. And the people who were who were in favor of separating and becoming their own country in America were not even in the majority. You know, they, it's estimated that they were only about 25%. And, there's, and we think there were more loyalists fighting in America uh, against their fellow Americans on the side of the British. But the point that's important to, to note is that it was the, those who were in favor of, of separating and becoming our own nation moved that mushy middle people who didn't care one way or the other, who just wanted to live their lives and just leave me be, uh, that moved them to more of them to come over to, to, uh, to our side. And uh, that kind of persuasion is, uh, is an important factor even today when, uh, when we consider, uh, you know, how all the wrong directions that our country seems to be taking and uh, abandoning our, uh, our heritage. Um, we need to persuade and uh, educate those around us. Well, you know, Mr. Clean, it's probably more important today than it was then, because so many yeah. of our people don't feel uh, don't feel threatened. Mm -hmm. uh, many people are, are just kind of out there walking around in a daze, thinking that everything is pretty much okay. I see the scouts yeah. managed to get back on the line here, so I'm going to let him uh, pop back up here, and, and uh, I thank you for for pressing on, and please. Uh, keep right. talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I, apparently it was me this time, the other folks, and I'm just talking away. I was t asking Sam if he could please recall, you know, call your number and get you back online, and <laughs> we were oblivious. So I missed. Uh, it, maybe you can just recap. Just give me the uh, the speed version. Of, oh, uh, I, uh, of what I had you, a great conversation with the call screener as uh, while we're waiting you for you to get back on. Uh, I just made the point of uh, 
uh, we have to lead by example. You know, everybody that comes to an apple seed shoot, or generally everybody, they walk away with a very positive experience. They, they're looking to us for everything that we uh, imparted to them. Uh, that's going to be a factor in them perhaps wanting to follow in our footsteps. And using the history that we just taught them, uh, the, the uh, following the footsteps of, of our forefathers, uh, the, the impressing upon them the uh, need for saving the country, just like as our forefathers did in, in starting this country, we need to impress upon them that uh, there's definitely a need and uh, that they can do it. It's not too big of a, of a um, uh, you know, the, the sinking ship is what Fred always talks about. It's not, uh, it's not under the waves yet. It's, uh, it isn't an impossible task. We all have to do it. I give the, uh, right. the historical example of um, uh, the, the, the colonists, the Americans, who wanted to separate and become their own country. Uh, they weren't even in the majority. Uh, it's estimated that they were only about a quarter of, of the population. And, yeah, if uh, that. There were, yeah. If that. It's, it's, they're, it's, they're just estimates, of course, you know, from looking back on it. There were, and there were about a quarter that were staunch loyalists. There were more loyalists fighting in the ranks right alongside the British than there were British on, on our soil. And, but the yes. important point was that mushy middle of the approximately 50%, people that were just normal people who wanted to live their lives, just leave me alone and, you know, can't we all just get along kind of uh, attitude. Uh, the important point is that more of them were persuaded to come over to our side than, than the other. And that's what, over those long eight years of the of the war, was that that was a, a big um, factor in in uh, swinging the, swinging the difference. Right, right, absolutely. Well, you have the other problem that every uh, occupational army faces, and that's the longer you stay in an area, the the more uh, the more that the population is going to turn against you. That's just yes. There, there's no getting around it. That's what happens because that's occupying that's army. the way it works. Yep, that's the way it's that's the way it's going to work, and that's what happened in the colonies. You know, the the British went from having a strong, completely loyal base uh, in uh, in the majority of New York and the New Jerseys in the first uh, years of the war. And then they all but destroyed it within just uh, uh, like six months uh, once the once their occupation uh, became full because they they raped and pillaged and uh, uh, and caused tremendous mayhem uh, right in the midst of their most loyal followers and there's yeah. nothing that will turn and 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 this is a lesson that is has to be heated by everybody that it works. It's just the same way in an organization as it does in a country that's occupied by foreign troops. Uh, is that anytime you have people who are volunteers, if you mistreat them in any way, or if you, especially the worst thing you can do, is to show them that you don't value their loyalty, then bang, that will flip their switch faster than anything else in the books. Is if you show them that you don't value their loyalty, that's what the British did. They show the the loyal colonists that their loyalty 
was not valued. That because even though they told the British regulars that they were loyal subjects to the king, the, uh, the soldiers disregarded that. They took all of the the food and the belongings. They disrespected the men. They raped the women. They burned the the cities, and and that will change the people's minds in in just seconds, and they will turn from loyal. Uh, British subjects into rebels overnight. And that's what happened in a good deal of the uh, New Jersey territories. Even the loyalists were considered uh, as second-class citizens of the empire. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They were treated treated probably the same way that uh, that the blacks were treated during the American Civil War. You know, you had uh, yeah. blacks and black units during the American Civil War. There's no way that they were treated the same as the white units. Absolutely not. And it was the same way with the loyalists. The loyalists weren't trusted. They weren't respected. And uh, and eventually, as much as you want to be loyal to a, uh, a king or a country or a program, it, that will turn you away. And And I say this because... Folks need to understand the same thing that occurs within organizations. If you have an organization, you have volunteers in an organization, and you don't make them feel that the time that they have given you is valuable and that you appreciate it, that is the quickest way for you to lose volunteers. You need to make sure that that you are recognizing them, that you're saying, hey, look, hey, guys, thank you so much for coming out. There's no way we could do this without you. Thank you so much for donating your time, your effort. Uh, you know, I, I know you can only do uh, three or four events a year at the most. No problem. If that's all you can do, then I want to tell you right here that I'm thankful for those three or four events. I am thankful. You cannot beat them about the head and shoulders because they can't give more. If they're giving all they can give, then you thank them. Don't uh, beat them for it, okay, because the minute you start telling them that that the amount that they're giving, which is, in most cases, good folks, they give everything they, they can give. But if they can't give more than a certain amount, and you tell them that they're worthless because they can only give X amount, you're going to dump them. They're gonna, you're going you're gonna to lose them. You can't, you can't do that. You have to tell them that, that even there, it's the small amount that they're giving, it is appreciated that they are valuable to you and that uh, they're a valuable part of your organization there locally. So, Scout, have you heard of the uh, 80-20 principle? Basically, uh, tw- uh, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people, and right. lots of other exa- examples of that. Um, kind of a, a, a force of nature, but uh, we should, uh, just as you said, if they, they can only give you know three weekends uh, out of the whole year, um, we need to respect that and be grateful for that. Uh, not expecting them to be, you know, giving 100%. Whatever they can give, Ab- they're giving absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, that is, that is at least the way that I look at it until I find out something different. And even if I do find out something different, I don't care. If if they tell me that that's all they can give, then to me, that's 100%. It's, right. it's no, it should be no different than the person that does 20 events a year as far as the respect that they get. Now, I'm not talking about other things like experience or promotions yeah. or anything like that. That's factored differently. 
what I'm saying, the way that you treat them. You don't say you only do three events a year, so you're a jackass and and I can just I can just not even include you into the discussion and stuff like that because you only give these three weekends a year. So you're you know, whatever. Go sit over there and let the big boys talk. That guy will be gone. He will be gone yeah. and you will, you're gonna lose whatever fraction of your team that you needed for those three events. Because he's gonna mm-hmm. be there for those three events. He's gonna help. He's gonna give his best for those three events a year. You can't you can't destroy that part of your crew. Now, if you you can you can certainly say, look, extremely valuable to me. You do a great job. I count on you. You're a great instructor. But only given the three events a year, I can't promote you to shoot boss. All right. I don't want you to understand that. That doesn't that doesn't alter my respect for you. It doesn't alter the fact that I think you're a great instructor, a great person, a good friend, or whatever. But I can't promote you to shoot boss because shoot boss has different responsibilities. And and look, I, you know, I'm still willing for you to do what you've been doing. I, I, I'm just gonna, you're going to see a smile on my face every time you drive up. Just understand that you know that that's that's the rules of the organization. That's the way it has to work. Make sure that, that that everything is laid out clearly, and that they understand it. And they understand that regardless of the fact that you're not going to be able to promote them to a certain level or something, that you that you still think that they are a, a you know a very viable part of your program and that you respect them for it. And then I think that that will that will help in retention of instructors, which is it's a little bit of a different subject, but not all that different because every time you can retain an instructor, that means you don't that you're not at an immediate loss and have to find another instructor and recruit them. So it does tie in together, but it also affects uh, like you're talking about uh, leading by example. And people at events, this is one of the things they're going to see. They're going to see how you treat your instructors, and that is going to be a big factor in them deciding whether they want to become a part of it. If they if if, if they see a uh, a very strong, warm uh, camaraderie among the instructors, and they see that it's a great group and they're tightly knit together that they're showing respect to each other, uh, then that's something that they may want to be a part of. If they see some instructor getting talked down to or treated differently or something like that, anyway, for me, if I was looking at something, I'd be like, oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be a part of this. could be me someday, you know, getting that treatment. So you have to make sure that you are, in fact, leading by example, that you do treat your fellow instructors with respect and make it, Make the whole overall program look, not just look. I'm not saying to do this so that it looks right. I'm saying to do it because it's right. And then people will see that it's a good organization to belong to. Well, thank you, Scout. I really appreciate your program. I'm glad I finally got the chance to call in and talk with you in person. Hey, listen, you... (laughs) There's usually uh, there's usually about 40 lines open, so I'll tell you right now, you're always welcome to call in and uh, and and keep me uh, uh, abreast of the uh, the way that things are going in Idaho, how the potato crops are coming along, and uh, any events that you guys have coming up that we can help promote, then I'll be glad to do so. 
All right. Thank you much. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a good evening. Bye. Bye. <clears throat> that is uh, that's a perfect example of uh, of the reason that uh, we need folks to call in, and that uh, and that it's important to hear from them because each and every one of you guys have a not a small piece. You all, each and every one of you guys, have a big piece of the puzzle that you can snap into place for the rest of us. And uh, and each piece is important. So make sure that you're uh, make sure that you're calling in, and we'll get you on the air. Get your story out. Get your suggestions, comments, and everything else out. Uh, you can do that by calling three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero three four seven three zero eight eight seven Nine zero, and then uh, as soon as you call, the uh, I guess I'll put you in the queue. Then Sam will come over and he'll ask you what you want to talk about. And if you don't want to talk, if you just want to listen to the phone. That's fine. Whenever he opens up the mic and says, "Hey, what's up? How's it going?" Be sure and answer him. He's not. You're not on the air at that point. You're just talking to Sam. He's just seeing what you want to talk about. And then we'll get you on the air, all right? And uh, so that you can let us know what's happening in your corner of the world. And you can tell your local crews thank you. You can explain uh, parts of the mystery, like Mr. Clean just did. He explained uh, he brought a very great point, and that's the point that I was trying to make earlier, is that we have to be continually adding people uh, as instructors. We have to be continuously doing it. At the very bottom, at the very baseline, it is so that you can continue to perform your job, your mission, uh, at the current level that you're at, because you're going to sustain losses. Uh, you're going to have, we have, we have people, uh, not just a few, but a lot of folks, because it's a large organization now. We have a lot of members that die during the year. We have a lot of members that uh, get sick. We have a lot of folks that uh, get snapped out of their, wherever they are, and they get uprooted and they have to move somewhere else to take another job or their company moves them or something like that. It's life. You got you have life going on around you, 24 hours a day without stopping. The earth continues to turn, and you'll have to you'll have to recruit enough folks to uh, to replace the losses that you naturally incur. There are a lot of people who join the program, they're good, they're hot to go, they're hot to trot. They've got the, uh, what I call the uh, Sunday, uh, the Sunday evening or the Sunday afternoon fever. And, uh, but a lot of folks, a lot of folks just don't have staying power. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticize folks for that. I wish it was different. A lot of folks don't have staying power. They and here's the problem too: is that being an apple seed instructor is a hard job. It's a hard job uh, in relative terms, right? It's not as hard as being a LERP team member in Afghanistan. You don't have to uh, uh, pick up a 75-pound pack 
and, and then uh, also load up additionally with extra claymores, uh, 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 belt-fed ammo, uh, you know, 15 to 20 pounds of water, and uh, and then the additional 20 pounds of plate armor that you have to wear and stuff like that. And then march in 125-degree temperature for 15, 20, 30, 40 kilometers, all right? That's hard. But hardness is a relative term, and being an apple seed instructor is hard, right? It, it means that you're going to have to give up uh, uh, at least a few weekends a year. Not only that, you're gonna, we're, we're going to ask more of you than just that. There's going to be uh, a lot of other things that's going to be asked of you with time, effort, uh, dedication, commitment. And and a lot of fi- a lot of folks find that it's not the party that it was when they came as a shooter to the event. And they didn't have to do anything except get on the ground and shoot. And uh, they didn't have to do that well. It's not as easy as being an attendee. It's a lot more difficult. And uh, and a lot of folks don't have the uh, the drive to stick with it. And uh, and that's just the way it is. So you may have some folks that are good to go, ready to go. They shoot the rifleman standards. They take the hat. They make an event. They make two events. They make four. They make six over the course of a year. And then... It's uh, three months before you see him again, and then four months after that, and then you just never see him again after that. Or it could be, I've seen plenty of guys who take the hat, they make one event, and uh, at the end of the day on Sunday, they're standing there sweaty and tired, and that's the last time you ever see him. They got the hat, they did an event, and they found out that it was work, and they're like, I didn't sign on for work. I signed up known for that good happy feeling I got on the Sunday after I attended the event as a shooter and this is a little bit different. Now, as an instructor you're still gonna get the happy feeling, all right? It just may not come in all as a rush on Sunday evening like it did when you went to the first event as a shooter. It's gonna come usually in bits and pieces. It's gonna come whenever you are down the line with a uh, young shooter and he gets into position correctly, and he squeezes the trigger while he's in his respiratory pause, and bang, the rifle fires, and you look, and he's got his eyes open, and he's holding the trigger to the rear. That's going to be that little rush that's going to hit you. You're going to be, I did it. I got it. I made him understand. I made him understand. Now he's doing it right. That's going to be your little rush, little victory. Uh so you'll have to be content with that at times to uh, to take you through the heat and the and the work and everything else rather than that big flood of a rush, the good feeling that you got when the shoe boss is telling you how valuable you are and how great a person you are because you stayed there uh, until the event was over on Sunday and and you're you're a good American. And I'm not saying that he's shining you because he's not. We're not. We don't shine people. So that's the way that I feel about them at that moment. I'm just saying, it's a little bit different feeling when you're getting all the accolades and everything on Sunday than it is when you're there as an instructor. And and your job now is a lot harder. And you don't get uh, 
the fun part, which is shooting, and you don't get to everybody telling you how great you are because you made it for the weekend. A lot of those folks, they fall off by the wayside. So you have to be continually recruiting, continually looking for those folks that are going to be good instructors. And uh, usually it's not that hard. Whenever, whenever you do your line in the morning, or you, you first you, you do your meet and greet, and then when I do the meet and greet, I ask folks to, uh, to we go from one person to the next, very you know very quickly. I have them introduce themselves, tell them where they're from, and what brought them to Appleseed and what they hope to get out of it. That's the only that's all I really want to know right then. Uh, number one, because I want them to break the ice and uh, say their names. So number one, I'll know their name, and uh, number two, say where they're from. So that if there's somebody else that's from the same area there, you know, they, there's a chance that they might become shooting buddies. It's a lot easier to maintain your skills and techniques if you have somebody that you can shoot with. Then I want to hear about how they found out about Appleseed. That's from me, so I can figure out how to do better promotions. How did you hear about it? And then, what do they hope to get out of Appleseed? All right, that's the part you want to listen to really well, too, because... That's going to tell you, that's going to be a big clue into why they're there and what you might hope to get from it. If one person says, I just came, you're just going to learn how to shoot better. That's all I really want. Chance with them, and you can give it quite a little bit of a go, but they've already told you, they've already told you what they're there for, and it's they're being honest. They just want to learn how to shoot better. All right, fine, that's great, because that's what we do. We're there to teach them to shoot better. What you have to start listening for is the folks that say, I came here because I want to learn how to shoot, but I also feel like I feel like that our country is having problems and there's something we've got to do to fix it. Bang. That's a guy that you want to concentrate on. He's told you he's looking for a way to help to get involved. So give him your spiel. I'm not saying do it right then. I'm just telling you that you pre-identify that person as somebody that you're looking for to get uh, to get involved in the program. That's the guy you're going to keep your eye on. You're going to, you, you, in your mind, you say, okay, if I'm going to get somebody to help me clear the lines, he's going to be one of them. If I'm going to bring somebody over to the briefing at lunch or after something, he's going to be one of the guys right there. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm going to see how he does. Again, grooming those people that tell you they're looking for a way to get further involved in helping the nation. Those are the guys that you want, if especially the ones that tell you. So I always try to make sure that I get folks to tell me what they're looking for at the meet and greet in the morning. <clears throat> because some people will just say, uh, I'm just here because my buddy is coming and he wanted somebody to go with him. And now who knows? They may turn out to be your next uh, most valuable shoot boss. But but they're telling you honestly why they came. Because the guy wanted them to go with them. That's really all they're there for. That's what they're saying. Like I said, I'm not telling you to dump them. I'm just telling you, he's, usually they're being, when people, when you ask people, they're going to give you an honest answer about why they're there. So be looking for the people that say, I'm here because I want to do more. All right? Those are the people that you want to focus your attention on. Be, I'm here because I want to do more. I want to help my country. I want to do, uh, I want to do something else that is going to uh, better job. And Appleseed is going to be one of the ways that they can do that. They want to make sure that you, are identifying them, and you're you are doing your best to be inclusive and to let them know uh, throughout the day 
And like I said, this, you don't you do your introduction on Saturday morning. You introduce the uh, the fact that we need more instructors, and you tell them you know how it happens. You know we that uh, each of these people are the same as you. They came to an event, learned how to shoot, decided that that this might be a way that they could help. They shot the rifle and standards. They asked for the hat. I don't want you to don't say. I don't want you to. I want you to make sure you, that they understand that this is a voluntary thing, and it's something that they've got to ask for. It's an important thing. Anytime you talk about being a instructor, it's got to be an important thing, because if it's not important to you, why in the world would it be important to them? So every time you talk about it, it's an important thing, and then that's it. And then you're going to give a little bit, you're going to give your 50% volume on Saturday uh, and then reintroduce the fact on Sunday morning and then you're going to go for broke on your Sunday benediction, all right? But that doesn't mean that during the day that you can't reinforce it or you can't keep uh, planting the idea uh, either to the group of the general or to individuals uh, on a one-on-one basis. <clears throat> so, and that is where uh, pre-identifying at the morning greeting on Saturday, that's, that's what that's going to help you. So let's say you've pre-identified four or five people who said something to the effect, came because I want to learn how to shoot and I, and I, want, to, and I want to help my country. All right? You have pre-identified those four guys. Then during the day, you're going to do your best to be inclusive with them and you're going to... Uh, you're going to get them to do little extra things. You're going to treat them a little tiny bit different because they've identified themselves as somebody who's willing to be treated different. You're going to get uh, them to do things like, uh, like I said earlier, like uh, Mr. Smith. Uh, would you mind giving the folks a quick refresher on the slings? And then you let them do it. And as long as they are not doing it completely wrong or they're not doing a safety violation, you let them go with it. Let them go with it. Help them just a tiny bit if they need help. And then tell them, great job. Didn't he do a great job, folks? <clears throat> to them uh, as the uh, event is going on during the day and, uh, and treat them as uh, they'll be, they will be attendees under your instruction uh, in the, the big picture, that doesn't mean that, that while you're giving instruction that you can't treat them as a peer. Now, that, that's, and that's two different ways to talk to people and treat them. You can treat them as a peer while you're giving them, even when you're giving them one-on-one instruction uh, on the line. <clears throat> that's going to make them feel better. It's going to make them feel like you respect them, like you value you value their feedback and and you're going to keep working on these folks throughout the day. Uh, you can even do things like uh, uh, like uh, say you're at lunchtime. You've done the story. Maybe you've done. Maybe you're waiting for the the guys to get ready because a lot of times we hit that break at lunchtime. Get everybody to move over to the shade or something like that. And. Uh, you want to give whoever's going to tell a story. Maybe you want to give them a few seconds to wolf down half their sandwich or something before the story start. Before they start their story, but at least they got half a sandwich to carry them, uh, you know, through the uh, through the part one of the story. 
And uh, while they're doing that, you can engage uh, Mr. Smith again. Uh, you know, even while he's eating, because I'm not telling you're not having you're you're not going to ask him to give a dissertation. You're just going to ask him to give a little bit more information about himself, and then you're going to listen to what he says. You're going to be a good listener when he's talking. You're not going to you're not going to ask him something, and then when he starts talking, you're not just going to sit there waiting your turn to talk. All right, those are two different things listening to somebody talk, and waiting for your chance to talk. It's two different things. You're going to be a good listener. You're going to ask him, Mr. Smith, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us about, a little bit more about, about why you think uh, our nation needs some help. And then you're going to listen to what he says. You're going to nod your head in agreement on the parts that you agree with. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to say thanks after he gets through and uh Maybe move on and ask uh, a, a, the same or a similar question to the uh, to one of the other guys that you are uh, that you have pre-identified. Then once the uh, the story is over, you can ask the same people. You can ask them questions about the story that just went on. Uh, Mr. Smith, what did you think about uh, what did you think about Mr. Russell's decision not to leave his home? What did you think about that? What did you think about what did you think it meant when Mr. Russell said uh, an Englishman's home is his castle? What did you think he meant when he said that? And let him give his explanation, and then and then nod your head in agreement and tell him thanks for it. Every time you are including these folks in as part of this and bringing them into the discussion and making and showing them that you cared about what they said, then you're being inclusive. All right. Every time you get them to to do a sling demo or uh, it, it just any of the little things, bringing them closer and closer in. Now, early on in the program. Uh, and you can still do it now because it's really no different. Learn on the program. I would select one or two guys that uh, uh, that seemed like good candidates, and I would drag them with me to the uh, instructor dinner. I was paying for the dinners myself, so it didn't matter if I brought extra guys or not. And nobody was paying for it for me. I've never had anybody. Uh, I mean, I've never asked for a penny back from an instructor dinner. So, if you if you're willing to do that, then you can do that. You know, or you can, or now because uh, because I don't think that dinners are paid for anymore. Everybody's paying for their own. Bring them along. He can pay for his own dinner. He's going to do it anyway, one way or the other, right? Bring him along. Bring the guy along. As I said earlier, if you do bring somebody from the outside, and make sure that you talked about this with your instructors beforehand, okay? You've talked about with the rest of the instructors. And if they all know what the what the drill is for the briefing during the day, for the instructor dinner, and everything else, that they understand that uh, what the rules are. And the rules are that uh, you don't discuss any uh, organization or any other any sensitive information in front of the outsiders, which are these guys. Now they're outsiders as far as being a member of the instructor corps. They're not outsiders as far as the way that you treat them. 
at the dinner. You don't ostracize them at the dinner, not talk to them, put them at the end of the table or anything like that. Put them right in the middle of the of the action at the center of the table, wherever, so that they're they're forced to interact with all of the rest of the instructors. And you treat them just like you would one of the instructors. The only thing you do differently, is, like I said, is if there are sensitive things, like maybe uh, there are things that maybe an instructor did something or said something uh, incorrect or or anything like that, then you include them in there. Now, as far as any kind of discussion about the organization, and let me tell you this right now. Uh, number one, you never talk about things that you disagree with in the organization in front of outsiders ever. That's number one. Now, here's the other number one. You never, as a shoot boss or uh, or a senior instructor, anything, you never lead a discussion or or even really allow one uh, in your group of dissatisfaction with the organization. All right? Now, let me clarify that because I'm not telling you that you will uh, that you will not abide anybody talking uh, about things they disagree with. I'm not telling you that. What I'm saying is, as a group of instructors, you don't get together so that you can talk about how you... Uh, I disagree with things that things are going on with the program, okay? I can tell you right now, that never that never leads to anything good. Okay? It just doesn't. If you all want to talk about how you can make things better in the program, perfect. But even that is not something that uh that you're gonna do a instructor dinner with uh with a uh individual who's not an instructor. You'll keep the conversation light. You're going to talk about the good things that went on that day. You're going to talk about good, humorous things that have happened on and off. You make sure that uh, you never, number one, you should never be talking bad about anybody ever, whether you got anybody else with you or not. You should never be talking bad about anybody at an instructor dinner. There's no room for this, that type of thing. But you certainly never talk bad about any attendees or students or anything like that at an instructor dinner with an outsider there. Okay? You can talk about humorous things, but uh, you certainly never down about or talk bad about any attendees. Uh, Like I said, there's really no need for it ever, but you certainly don't do it with an outsider. You talk, you, you keep everything positive, which you should be trying to do whether anybody's there or not, but you keep everything positive, keep everything on, a, on an upbeat note, and and show them what it means to be a an Apple C Project instructor. Show them how important it is. Show them uh, what, what men of good character belong to the organization. And uh, All right. Uh, now, you guys have been letting me uh, talk forever. I swear, I know that uh, I know that there are a bunch of folks that know 
more about this than I do, that know better uh, how to do uh, how to how to get folks into the program than I do. So I'm going to ask those folks, and I'm not being facetious either. I'm saying our the listeners have a a vast amount of knowledge that I would love for them to share with the rest of the folks. So somebody's going to call in, 347-308-8790. They're going to tell me uh, how they how they got somebody else to uh, become part of the program. All right? So somebody's going to call in right now, 347-308-8790, and let me know. Because every time you, do, you guys do this, every time you guys share your information, you're making us stronger. You know, you're sharing the information, you're sharing the... Uh, the pool of knowledge, and you're making us stronger. I, I never go to an apple seed that I don't learn something. Never, never been to an apple seed that I didn't learn something. And normally, I learn it from the newest folks on the line. Uh, not saying that I don't that I don't learn from uh, uh, from a lot of our really sharp instructors, because I do too. But normally, uh, what I'll learn is I'll learn something from, like, some of the newest people on the line. I'll learn how to teach better. Uh, I'll learn how to say something uh, in a more clear way, in a simpler way, so that they can understand it better. Or I'll learn uh, how to uh, identify a problem or something like that. But, uh, but I'll always learn something every time I go to an apple seed. And I'll, I can always learn something every time you guys call in and tell us how you do it, how you make it work, all right? 347-308-8790. All right. I'm just going to uh, just slice right out of this section uh, unless uh, uh, I told you, man, I, I, had, I had ESP. I knew somebody was going to call in. Uh, Sam, check uh, check that caller and see if they if they've got something that they want to share with us. That would be uh, okay. We got two now that want to. All right, first guy I want to take is Warren because Warren's been he's been on on hold here, but he's been listening most of the time. But now Warren is ready to talk. Warren, go ahead, sing out. Welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Uh, yeah, I'm bugging you again. I'm I'm in New York now instead of New Mexico. I'm surrounded by the enemy and short on ammo, and uh, but I do see signs of hope. <laughs> well, good, good. I'm glad. I know New York is a hard, it's a hard location right now because uh, because everything is is going so tight there, and I know that they started the the involuntary uh, uh, work there and the the uh, confiscations and stuff like that. And I know people are very upset and angry for the most part there. But there's got to be some good parts to it, too. Tell us about the good parts, Warren. The good parts are that I think uh, Mr. Cuomo is probably going to send us some more recruits. Um, there are a lot of people upset about the way things are going. Uh, the youth uh, down here, from uh, what I could tell from my sons, are saying, you know, hey, we're not thrilled about suddenly – they're realizing they're going to be taxed without representation. Um, and uh, my friends in the shooting community down here are, uh, 
are rather perturbed of, of the way things are going. Like they're kind of becoming, uh, uh, they're feeling like they've been disenfranchised. You know, the people aren't paying attention to things. So that may be a revitalization. Sometimes all you need is a good, uh, a good enemy to make you better, or a good adversary, I'd, I'd say, not an enemy, an adversary to make you better. You still there, Scout? Yes, I'm still here. Well, it okay. kind of plays into what we were talking about a minute ago with the uh, with the occupation of New Jersey, right? And when you have people yeah. in there that are stomping uh, around on on folks who some of those folks that that maybe ended up coming to, they may have been previously loyal to to the administration. You know, I, I think that I don't want folks to think that just because somebody voted for a, a Democrat or something like that, that that makes them all uh, anti-gun. I know plenty of guys who are who are Democrats uh, because they want, you know, they, because they, they have a different view of how to help the nation, but they're solidly pro-gun. And whenever yeah, one of my folks best, start my stopping on them, here. you know, yeah, one of my best buddies down here is is a uh, uh, is an educator who graduated from Columbia, the heart of darkness there in New York City. Uh, so I have a, a, you know, a constant, but I, I I keep him constantly engaged, and um, and and that's you know it's as as I explained to him, it's like you know you're starting to see you know a lot of people in our general captains meetings and such that you know like they they may seem like they're picking on you but it's not because we don't like you we're picking on you because we like you and we still want you here and we value your contrary opinion um right. but um uh, and he's beginning to see things as uh the possibility of you know uh, uh he's willing to concede certain points so you know, small victories that we go for with that. But as to the, uh, well, yeah. Well, as as to the uh, the 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 drafting of instructors, you know, I, I made IIT zero. It only took me like twelve apple seeds to make riflemen because I had loads of bad habits. Um, <laughs> and New Mexico f- folks took a lot of patience, extraordinary patience, um, and I never felt like they gave up on me. But one of the things that really made me um, appreciate the organization, I think, and and want to be part of it. Now, as you said, generally you don't let, you know, you were like very um, inclusive of bringing outsiders into um, into the dinner and whatnot. Um, right. But I had asked one of the instructors, you know, like, could I observe a um, an after action critique? And that person took it to the shoot boss. And the shoot boss came over to me and said, you know, you can observe. Okay, you know, after like, it had been like maybe my fourth or fifth apple seed at that point. Because <laughs> right. it took me 12 to make riflemen. Um, so it was like, okay, um, you can observe. And that, that observation of the non-hostile information exchange to make better instructors back and forth was one of the key things that led me to say, I'd like to be part of that organization should I ever make riflemen. That's it. That's it exactly. That's why I mentioned that is because that's one of the one of the most important things you can do is to be inclusive. Yeah. And as you said too, the but the but the more important than that being inclusive is being 
inclusive professionally. Oh, they were. Like I said you, you don't you don't do you don't do anything, and and I'm I'm going to tell you that I always tell people don't. You should always be doing. You should always be conducting your briefings and everything else, as if the whole the whole Appleseed attendee line were gathered around you. You should be doing that, whether there's anybody there or not. You should always be a professional. But most importantly, uh, you should maintain that professionalism, uh, certainly in front of uh, anybody you bring in. That means no, no bad mouthing anybody, anything, nothing. Everything should be done in a professional manner. And if you do that, then they'll see that this is a professional organization run by folks that that they want to be a part of. Uh, and apparently it worked on you, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and it wasn't just how the senior instructors kind of like were bringing in the uh, the newer instructors with, with critiques. It's also how the newer instructors accepted the wisdom uh, that was imparted so that, you know, they were they were – on a path towards excellence, right? And that—that that is something that attracted me to the organization. That way, I was—I was very much taken with that, and uh, you know, and and you know, even uh, the, the far western El Paso bunch uh, had come in on occasions, and uh, and when we had a more active mid-state section, uh, you know, they were short-handed at times for instructors. Um, and so, like you said before, it was like I was one of those people that was tapped to be, all right, well, you know, Warren, you've been here a few times. Um, you know, you're now an RSO, and, uh, you know, you watch your end of the line. And, and that kind of also, I figured if nothing else, I was going to learn to be better. Right. And that right. Um, that that also kind of like said, you know, hey, you know, uh, this is the kind of organization that, uh, you know, they, their, their strive is safety and excellence, two things that are absolutely paramount. Right, and and they're acting in a professional way, and they're they're willing to uh, they're willing to bring you in, they're willing to include you, because that's I mean it's tremendously important. Because if you if you are not inclusive, if you make it a yeah. You're gonna sh- you're, you'll shut them off immediately, folks. I have I have never hurt the feelings. You know you'll make them feel like they're like there's no way they could ever be one if they want even if they wanted to. So no, I've never I've never even seen an inkling of that um, with with any. I mean like you know after twelve apple seeds, you know I've seen darn near <laughs> every every instructor. Well, you know, later on, one of the instructors said to me, you got here on the short bus, didn't you? And it was like, yeah, you know. Um, and he said that in the kindest of tones, you know, to me. So it was like, you know, yeah, it it took me a while. But, you know, it was uh, – they say I'm the poster child for perseverance. But, uh, you know, that's one of the well, things that – isn't that, uh, that isn't that one of the first things that we ask of our – Attendees and of our instructors have our riflemen. A rifleman persists. You know, a rifleman adapts. A rifleman persists. A rifleman. It doesn't matter if it took you twelve. What matters is that you did it. You know, I, I well, think I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for people that go to twelve apple feet to <laughs> to make riflemen because 
Yeah, that's how you can go to one apple seed and shoot the rifleman standards, and it's like, yeah, get it, whatever. If you go to 12, that shows that, look, man, I don't, nothing is going to stop me. Nothing is that going is, to prevent me from achieving my goals. That's one of my teaching tools. I tell them, it took me 12. I'm not going to be upset if you don't get it this time. I won't be upset if you don't get it your next apple seed. I won't get upset if you, but if you take more than 12, I may be concerned. <laughs> Listen, don't hang up. I'm going to bring uh, uh, the old guy on with us, too. Hey, OG, welcome to the show. Hey, there's just a few minutes. I'll make it quick. North Country okay. Lady and I recruited her chiropractor, the orange hat. <laughs> now his wife is going to do it. Okay? Okay. <laughs> and uh, he's a good guy. Well... He's, uh, his handle on the forum is Dr. Ames, A-I-M-S. The guy's name is actually okay. Ames, A-M-E-S. <laughs> good play. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Well, how is it going with recruiting there in Maine? It's slow. They, uh, yeah. This, I, this, I got two problems up here. One, they, they want to work their home range, and that's it. Well, I think right. every range ought to have an orange hat. Or a red hat as a home range. That's a good thing. But we, I, they don't want to travel. It's, they don't like to get away from their home range. The other problem I've got is getting them to do the history. Mainers are bashful people, and they just don't like to get up in front of groups and speak. I'm just the opposite. I just, you know, I, I. Tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, I've got a radio show. I go one hour. Wind me up, press the button, and I'm good for an hour. So, <laughs> and we've got there you about, go. We've got about two minutes here on this show, so <laughs> I don't want to take up the rest of it. Well, that, that's fine. That's what this show is yeah. about, getting the information out. But he's right. We do have two minutes, so let me go ahead and quickly wrap it up. And, Warren, thank you for calling in. And, uh, OG, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Make sure that uh, tomorrow morning that you, you give your spiel again about uh, getting folks to come and getting them to uh, they become instructors, too. you got to hear it over and over for it to, to work. Sam, thank you, sir, for being here every time I'm here. Okay, guys, uh, I'm not sure exactly which one of the – what the heck the next episode is going to be. It's going to be one of three things, but uh, – I'll let you guys know. Uh, remember that there is a sign-up now on uh, – I put it into the chat and into the letters that I sent out for the uh, uh, for the radio show and uh, Battle Road and Appleseed uh, information. Make sure that you click on the newsletter sign-up thing so that you can get the information. And, uh, and we will see you guys uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m., same time. Until then – Make sure that you guys are ramping up, getting ready for your April events, and uh, and make them a, a big show. And make sure that you're doing your best to, to try and get other folks involved because that's, that's, it's the only way that we're going to push the mission forward is by increasing our ranks. And, and I don't have to tell you that... Uh, that a 100-pound sack of feed 
uh, is a lot easier to carry if there's four guys carrying it than if you have the whole thing draped over your shoulder, right? So make sure that you're doing your best to to do whatever it takes to get the folks who show up on your line, to get them involved in becoming uh, part of the program. Show them respect. Uh, identify them early on. Uh, make sure to be inclusive and, uh, and to be and to treat them uh, respectfully, uh, peer to peer, and get them to want to become instructors. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for uh, for listening tonight, and uh, and we'll see you again this coming uh, Thursday. Uh, I didn't get that, the information on the seed planting and the preps, but just just know that that your prepping should be a daily uh, basis. Uh, I included a couple of pictures from uh, Walmart. They have sales all the time. This uh, last sale was for eighty cent quarts of uh, hydrogen peroxide and uh, for 80 cent quarts of alcohol, alright? Alright, well, see you guys uh, Right, they'll knock you to your knees.